0: Welcome back to Libro Mania, a podcast for the book obsessed, featuring interviews with contemporary authors, discussions about key figures and movements in literary history, examinations of various genres and current events in the literary world, and celebrations of book nerddom, you know, bookstores, book design, book collections, and more. I'm David Kern. This is chapter 16, in which I chat with one of the world's most foremost book cover designers, Mr. Paul Sayer. A man whose work you have seen numerous times, perhaps without even knowing it was
1: his. You know, with a book cover, it's a visual, graphic representation of a story, um, a novel, the act of reading, right? And I would say the same thing about a theater poster. You see, most people see the poster before they see the show. The poster has information on it that you need: time, date, obvious stuff. But also, what what is this show about? What am I getting into when I go to this thing. I, I view both as a doorway to some experience that someone has. You know, with a book cover, you see the cover before you open the book. And frankly, I don't care about the marketing part. Of it. I care about making something that's a doorway to an experience somebody's gonna have and create something that is appropriate and compelling and, and feels right for that situation.
0: Paul Sayer is a graphic designer who has operated his own independent practice since 1997. He's a frequent visual contributor to the New York Times. He's authored books, redesigned two of Canada's largest magazines, built and destroyed a life size monster truck hearse for the band They Might Be Giants, and appeared in a 1990s "When on a Rider" film. He received his BFA and MFA from Kent State University and has taught graphic design at the School of Visual Arts for the past 13 years. He lectures extensively all over the world and is a member of Alliance Grafica Internationale. You've seen his work before. He's designed renowned covers for books by Chuck Klosterman and Malcolm Gladwell and others, and he's been charged with updating the covers for the likes of Ernest Hemingway and Muriel Spark. He's done design work for the Criterion Collection, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and many other media companies and publishers. Plus, he's the author of a memoir called Two-Dimensional Man, in which he shares stories from his 30-year career. You can find it at Amazon or wherever you buy books. Elliot Earls calls it a, quote, gut-wrenching and at times hilariously compelling look into a designer's life. This is the only design monograph and memory I could honestly characterize as a page-turner, end quote. In today's episode, in this conversation, Mr. Sayer and I chatted about the process of designing a book cover and some of his favorite covers. If you subscribe to the notion that the old cliche "Never judge a book by its cover is nonsense," then this conversation is for you. hope you enjoy thank you thank you for being here it's a This is a show for people who are as we like to say book obsessed and the uh the all the things that go into books besides just the reading of them besides just the words are something that we're all kind of um, intrigued by so I love talking to People who do typography and layout and, and uh, cover design. So, this is, uh, this is great fun for me, and I, I appreciate that you, you took the time.
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, I, I wasn't familiar with your podcast, but I did. I mean, your subject matter is, is, uh, is fantastic. I mean, some of the, uh, I, I got into a couple of them. Um,
2: <laughs> well, so, yeah, I
1: appreciate the diversity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm typically talking to designers most of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this
1: is uh it's 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 nice to to talk to the other side, I suppose.
0: <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I like to hear from with I ask novelists this a lot about how they kind of, you know, what their motivations are for writing. Like why do they why do they put themselves through it? <laughs> and um, you know, a lot of novelists talk about how it's a it's both great fun and and really challenging to be a writer. Um, you know, it's kind of a lonely, a lonely thing. And I was wondering if That's true for designers too. Like when you're, I mean, I'm sure there's some collaboration going on. You got to collaborate with you know publishing houses, say, or editors or the authors themselves. But when you're actually sitting down and doing the work and having to conceptualize, you know, the things that you're working on, is it is it lonely in that same way? Does it feel like a um, sort of solitary thing?
1: Oh, it is for me. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that's the same for all designers. Um, Hmm. I I've had to accept that I'm sort of a loner. Creatively, to some degree, and I learned that the hard way. Uh, <laughs> working in different uh, situations, mm. you know, a graphic designer can be part of large a large team or be an individual. And I sort of gravitated through um, trial and error to you know. Right now, I'm working totally alone mm. for the first time in a while. I I usually keep a small office, but um, I'm back to working um, utterly alone right now, and I just prefer it that way. Um, I'm not a big collaborator. I I mean, collaboration is part of it for for a writer, too. I think the parallels are, it's absolutely similar, the way I work, the way a writer works. Um, You know, and that goes for, you know, you call it collaboration. You could also Mm -hmm. call it compromise.
2: <laughs> um, yeah yeah
1: and I, I don't i don't i'm pretty uncompromising uh as a graphic designer i think that's um it has its own um challenges that are different yeah. than what a writer might be running into along those lines but um we yeah. all we all are um kind of fighting the same battles i think mm. in a lot of cases
0: mm. you mentioned that you're kind of uncompromising. And so, that, I guess the implication being that that leads to <laughs> some challenges when it comes to working with, you know, not working alone. But do you think that you, you have some leeway to, to be uncompromising because you've managed to achieve a certain level of maybe reputation or respect that you didn't have when you, when you were younger? Or, or when you were younger, was your kind of uncompromising nature in your work what maybe helped you become successful?
1: I would say both of those things are definitely true. Uh, When you're starting off, you know, it's hard to get anyone to listen to you Um, for good reason. In a lot of cases, you know, what do you know? What what did I know? But I knew, you know, I went to grad school for graphic design as well as undergrad. So, you know, by the time I left school, I had learned how, it needed to work for me, even if I didn't understand at all how it fit into the world, mm. um, which I didn't. But um, By it,
0: when was, you say when you say it there, do you mean your process?
1: Uh, yeah, the way it needed to work. I mean, you know, I think the, the again, a graphic designer can get into all kinds of different things. Again, this sure. is very different from. I guess it's it's the same with writing. I mean, a writer can you yeah. can write for the for an, the news and and um, work for a newspaper. You can write novels and be a sure. creative yeah, genius. Yeah, yeah. Work alone, yeah. uh, and there's everything in between those two things. You can write ad copy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, in grad school, I was designing my own typefaces and and inventing everything, taking my own photographs and um, um, having total creative control over the work that I was doing, you know, even when I had clients, when I was in college, you know, I did a lot of work for the school of art gallery. A lot of it was art based and related to the design department. And, um, you know, I was getting these things printed. So in some ways it was like being a working designer who had clients and had to satisfy certain needs that related to those things, but it was very open and free and, you know, when I, 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 started working, I got married and moved to Baltimore and started working at a uh, marketing communications firm, you know, having loans and yeah. just having an understanding that this is what you do. You go out and you get a job, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I was miserable. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my God. It just wasn't grad school. Whether that was process or whether that was, was the work we were working, the work mm-hmm. that I was working on. We did a lot of uh, work. They did a lot of work for colleges and universities. So there are these view books. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it was, you know, I, in the end, I, it, I, it, it's all learning experience and I realized what was, I, I use those early work experiences every day, I think, even though that there, was, there was a lot of misery for me involved creatively anyway. <laughs> um, Hmm. But I just pursued at that time work that wasn't related to it i did I was interested in the theater and silkscreen so I approached a the theater and started doing silkscreen posters and this is those posters were the things that got me into designing book covers Oh, okay um, interesting absolutely it wasn't a plan I just sort of stumbled into it it was my need to have creative con- utter creative control over yeah. what I was making but yeah, I still yeah. felt the need to have it have a purpose i say because you know i a client while graphic design doesn't always need a client it's it's certainly traditionally why the discipline exists the profession exists (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah. um so um it 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 that it you know no one was asking for work that i was doing on the job they wanted these theater posters yeah. And the transition from doing that to getting paid to do book covers was sort of a revelation, but it wasn't something I could have planned.
0: So, how how are those posters that you were doing similar to book covers? Like, what what about them led you into into the book covers? Well, let's see. How can
1: I sum this substance succinctly? Yeah, it's uh, in speech, and when you when people can't be looking at them, right? Yes. Now, I mean, I think sure. I mean, you know, with a book cover. There is a it's a visual graphic representation of a story, um, a novel, mm-hmm. um, the act of reading, right? Uh and I think I would say the same thing about a theater poster. You see most people see the poster before they see the show. Sure. Um, maybe the poster the poster has information on it that you need, which yeah. is different from a book cover in some ways, you know, time, date, whatever, obvious stuff. But also it it what's, what is this show about? What, what am I, what am I getting into when I go to this thing? If I go to this thing, you know, so it's a I I view both as a doorway to some experience that someone has, you know, with a book cover, you see the cover before you open the book. Mm -hmm. And, um, frankly, I don't, with book covers and theater posters, I'm not, while I think some of it's sort of interesting. I don't really, it's not my job to sell books. Hmm. Um, I don't care about the marketing part of it. I care about making something that's a doorway to an experience somebody's going to have and create something that is appropriate and compelling and, and, um, and feels right for that situation.
0: Do you see yourself as being able to shape the experience of a reader with a book?
1: I guess that's true, um, but I would say that's not my mindset usually. Yeah. My mindset is usually to try to do justice to the book. Mm -hmm. And since, yeah, Yeah, obviously the book's the important thing and the way is is the the, – I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. The cover is – look – Let's get back to the marketing thing. I, you know, there's uh, people would disagree with me, but especially people in the marketing book department. But book covers do not sell books. You could have no cover. In fact, I, I've been threatening for years just to send in like a, just something with nothing on it. <laughs> it's a good book. Yeah. It will you were one of your podcasts recent Recently was on uh, Confederacy of Dunces. Yeah. You know, that book sold without any marketing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a good book will sell. A bad book will not sell. Um, or or a book that um, people don't like won't sell. And it doesn't matter what the cover is. Um, yeah. There's certainly plenty of bad covers on books that have been popular. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Maybe no, the majority think, now that I think about it. Yeah. No, I think a, a book cover can, I think, can help the process somehow. But it, when you, when it comes down to it, it's... I think it's much more. It's a dust jacket, you know. It's, yeah. So I think that I don't have I don't have aspirations, or do I think it's a good idea for a designer to be messing around with um, creating? I don't know um, a, your your own sort of opinion yeah. about what you're getting into.
0: Right, right. Um, do you so? Do you ever? So one of the things that I was thinking about is if you're if you're thinking about designing. A, a book cover, then ostensibly you'd have to read the book. So would the does the reading experience of a book that you know you're going to design a cover for, is that different than most other times that you read a book? <laughs> or are you kind of constantly, always thinking about what book you, how you design the cover?
1: No, uh, well, this is—I'm ashamed to admit this, especially in in the context of your podcast. But I really don't read anything now that isn't something I'm not assigned to. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I imagine you've got—I uh, mean, there's probably a lot of reading. Yes, that you have yes, to do there's a, there's
1: hours of it. Yeah. Yes. No. So I'm doing it all the time anyway, uh-huh. um, and quite often I gravitate toward m- more challenging. Books, so you know, a lot lot of times you have to read them multiple times Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to even get a grasp of what the what it is. You know, yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, yeah, the reading is super important to me, um, and it, but it that's it, it creates a sort of strange filter in terms of what I'm reading. But but that gets also to the idea that I have to be super careful careful about what I agree to, to take on yeah. as, in terms of commission because I yeah. have to read it. So I learned that, again, through trial and error. You know, um, oh, I had this relationship with this art director. You assume that the creative director at the publisher, because I don't work at a publisher. I work for myself. A yeah. publisher calls me with a title that's on their list, thinking it's a good fit for me. Yeah, You know, you were talking about this idea of whether my reputation or doing it for long enough makes it easier to have control over what I'm doing. It certainly made it easier because art directors and creative directors sort of know what...
0: Yeah, what you're into.
1: Yeah, or what would work, given my approach, you know? Yeah, Um, Yeah. So... You know, but early on that wasn't the case, so I'd be getting, you know, chick lit or whatever. Um, which I'd like to think that, uh, uh, as a male, I could design a book for women, but the the times when I've attempted to read such books, um, and design the cover, it never went well. (laughs) At least admit to that. So, you know, if if there's a book about UFOs, Paul's the person to call. but I don't know about chick lit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you, so, have, uh, so when you're working, so you get a manuscript, say, and, and someone, you know, you working with some art director who you trust, and and you're, you're you agreed to do it, and then you're reading the book. You mentioned you have to read it multiple times just to kind of get a sense of what it is, what it means, and so forth. Do you have to go through? Do you do you create multiple sort of mock-ups or iterations of what the cover could look like? Based on different understandings of it, or do you do one and then you send it over and then they tell you, well, this isn't really what we were thinking, or this isn't really the direction, or this isn't really what the book actually meant, or or do you do you generally get what you want? Do they, basically, do they generally agree to
1: what you propose? No, like, I, I probably sound like a kind of designer who sends one cover in and says this must be the cover. <laughs> that is definitely not the case. Either yeah. people can do it. Do that. Uh, I maybe used to think that that there's one co- cover, yeah, you know, for a book. Yeah, all things being equal, you know, in a perfect world, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But no, I totally don't agree. I don't think that's the case at all. I, I think that um, you know, it's funny getting back to that idea that um, how how um, important my voice maybe is in a cover commission as it relates to the the book. And while I feel like it's not important at all in terms of the book, I have to have a point of view of the work that I make Mm. for the book. Mm. So it's a funny thing. Like I really feel like those two things, you can't reconcile them on some level. And maybe that's what makes it interesting to me. Mm. But I think it's true. Like I can't just be a chameleon and assume some... Some role that 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 doesn't relate to my what it is that I'm doing and the way I feel like it should go. So it's weird. It's a it's a there's a dichotomy there about design that I think is really fascinating and never understandable and or it's always uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I just went off on a tangent there for a specific reason. What was the <laughs> specific point of your question again? Is there well, something? I was just
0: asking about how do you do multiple covers based on different understandings of it of the book that maybe you right. have to dialogue with the the publisher or the author or whatever to to kind of narrow down what might be the actual thing they're going for.
1: Well, I I'll just quickly tell you how the process works. Yeah. You know, there's you know, the marketing side is involved in this as well on the sure. publisher side. So there's a t- something called tip sheet, there's a synopsis of the book. They do a lot of sales stuff in there too which I tend to ignore. But they, you know, similar titles, which I also can't stand and and ignore totally. Mm. Um, I can
0: imagine that would become kind of a crutch if you're if you're not being attentive.
1: Well, it's not even a crutch. It's just it's 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 understandable. Look, the publisher wants to sell books, (laughs) and they want to know they want some track record um, for books that were successful. So Mm. this is why you see a lot of books that look similar out there that are in certain genres, right? Um, right, right. Yeah. Kind of books that were successful, um, and so they, the marketing side feels more comfortable when you do a cover that's similar to this other book that's similar that did well, right? I mean, it makes sense. It's hogwash, but it makes sense. <laughs> um, but anyway, the the I I but I but I feel like you know there's also conversations with the creative director that's talked to the editor about the book, and you know there there are oftentimes. Uh, Tax, you know, that uh, ways of approaching it that make sense given larger themes that might not be readily uh, understandable uh, when you're reading a book that that might inform what I do. So anyway, no, I, I usually will do multiple versions um, that that I feel it could make sense for the, this particular particular book given certain other issues. And again, yeah. some of those are marketing, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you kind
0: of have to take into account you at least have to be aware of of those marketing concerns. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Going into it without any of that is it would make it very difficult just in a practical sense to to do work in this world that exists. Yeah you know
2: um
1: sometimes you most of the time you ignore it or you or or you make maybe make reference to it in some subtle way but Mm. it's in there um but yeah so i do multiple ones um you know a recent cover that i did that sort of relates to this idea was um, one for chuck klosterman who i did i've done covers for for years
0: yeah i was gonna Um, ask about that
1: it was uh it's what is it? it's the upside down book um but but what if we're wrong that's what it is but what if we're wrong oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and Chuck is sort of go, uh, kind of branching off from his you know um pop culture zone into bigger questions uh yeah. with this book yeah and um so it's questioning big things like gravity and you know yeah we're right here so yeah. uh i was just like hey this is going to be impossible to get through i knew this but I talked to the creative director and said, look, it's, a, it's just upside down. You know, we, we have a typeface that we use. And yeah. so there's a consistent vibe that goes through the book's the covers yep. done over the years because of that typeface, but it's Helvetica. It's nothing. It's yeah. totally generic. And yeah. so I'm like, it's totally generic, and it's centered, and it's as big as we can make it because Chuck's name is really long. <laughs> 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 the thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing really and so it can only is is uh, with this typeface, his name can only get so big. So it's like that upside down, and that's the cover. And. so I told the I told the, the you know the creative director I said listen I know this is going to be almost impossible but this shouldn't have any other text on it there's no from the author of or no subtitle or anything it for this to work it's got to feel monumental and I said I know that's a tough sell but I you get, you know and then that was that one that I felt really strong about but I did three or four other ones that had space textures on it and other things and it you know they they ended up doing it um,
0: do you interact with Chuck Klosterman during this process, or is it just with the art directors?
1: N- not at all. Not in this case. I don't. I've met Chuck a few times, but uh, it, any interaction we have is highly controlled by the publisher. They definitely do not like <laughs> it when the designer and the author go away secretly to waste money and time. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: of course not. And, yeah. it,
1: and again, that's that's totally understandable. They are they are publishing this book. They are investing in this book. They have to con- have control over. Um, how it's put out in the world. So.
0: so can I ask you a little bit more about this cover? Because sure. um, you mentioned it's Helvetica, which is the font that you have used I, it's for all of his books. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah. Starting with Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. I, I'll just say briefly, um, I can't remember what year that was. Early 2000s, I think. But he had published a sort of hair metal memoir before this. Uh, I believe this is his second book. And uh, I didn't design the first one. I designed this one. This one was a bestseller, and so therefore, the marketing people were like, "Well, all the books need to look like this." <laughs>
0: <laughs> is, that, is that? I mean, so my question was going to be: Is that good? I mean, do, does that make you happy? I mean, does that excite you? That that they? I mean, they like that, and so then they all want that same font. I mean, as you said, Helvetica is sort of this. You know, at this point, it's almost you know. I don't know what the word is. It's almost visible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's a great word. I mean, so does that, so does it excite you to have to figure out how do I use this font? How do I use this aesthetic for the next 10 books? Or are you like rolling your eyes and thinking, you know, well, there goes my font? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's, but well, this falls in the category of branding the author. Yeah. Uh, meaning similarity between covers so that you understand the, the author's vibe, right? Um, so
0: the author of this vibe in this case is invisibility.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. No, I mean, you know, Chuck's humor is pretty dry. Yeah, and yeah. Biting, so, a lot of sarcasm in it. Yeah. And so, but, but it's also, and it's, you know, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs is, you know, there's Beyonce in there and it's pop culture references. And, and so I think it's fairly high-minded popular culture observations is the way I would describe it. And it's funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, But it's also fairly dry. So that was sort of the challenge with that one. Getting back to the way you're, that question, Mm -hmm. I think in this case it made sense to me. um, And I sort of liked the sort of nothingness of it. It was sort of like the type was structured and almost nothing. And then there was some kind of image that there was a conceptual twist to. So, you know, the sex drugs and cocoa puffs is a a bird's eye view of a cereal bowl with, with drugs floating in it instead of cereal. Yeah. So it's like sort of a forced idea in a way The the, um, then I went back and was asked to redesign the his first book, Fargo Rock City, um, that I mentioned, uh, to, to work with this book. Um, and so this is a cow that's got Gene Simmons.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, fur thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then the, the next one and on and on. Right. So, Yeah, I mean, no, I didn't roll my eyes at all. I thought it would just made sense. It was smart in, in in not only in a marketing standpoint, but I think like you can, I can separate. I would separate marketing from kind of the branding part of it. Even though the word branding mm. relates to marketing, yeah. Let's yeah. say it's got they, the covers have a cohesiveness and identity. I'm more comfortable talking about it that way, mm. um, because that's yeah. Why wouldn't you with an author that's Doing writing a lot, yeah, it's prolific. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's going to be a, a number of different titles here. They're all going to be related because of the author and the author's interests and point of view. Mm. So on that level, it makes sense that they're interconnected visually somehow. Mm.
0: So, so you know, you so you use Helvetica, which you which you call invisible, but of course it, it's had its. <laughs> It has its, it had its heyday, right? I mean, there's the documentary about it and everything. Was that what? What was when you thought let's use Helvetica back in the early 2000s? Was it that the sort of cultural imagination or the cultural perspective on that font was different at the time, or um, was the the universality of it what was appealing to you um, within this context? Was there some kind of some kind of cultural understanding of that font that you thought was was, uh, would work well with what Klosterman was trying to do in his work?
1: Yes, I don't know if it, the time has that much to do with it. I mean, Helvetica was designed in the 50s and it was designed specifically to be emotionless and generic. I right. mean, generic's not the right word, but it was designed to not have the baggage that other typefaces might have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and therefore, it was, it's, a, it's a modernist idea that you can apply this to anything because it doesn't have any personality so you can apply it to the New York City subway and it just feels however it feels usually it's it's a it's a um, that modernist template um, and it has a very strong structure to it and so this his covers have that some of that vibe in it but I don't know if that changes you know the the way Helvetica is viewed is is always sort of been this uh, and now as it was 15 years ago when i started these titles or however long it was so yeah it's it's sort of a it's sort of a system approach an unemotional system approach that 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 contrasts with the images that are normally on it i want to say too that the conceptual twist on the cover that we were just talking about but what if we're wrong is just that it's upside down. I mean, funny enough, this one, you know, as a book cover designer, rightfully so. You know, the cover's rarely mentioned, you know. But this one, Chuck was on uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers. And and they start off and he's got the book. And they start talking about the cover. (laughs) Before they start talking about the book, they're talking about the cover. (laughs) Uh, And Chuck actually went through the, it's funny, he went through the process of how a book you know how he, you know, he was shown it, and the thing he said that I loved, uh, he referred to me as the design guy. Um, <laughs> but he he uh, he said, "Well, what's the track record of upside down books?" <laughs> <laughs> and then, so then they all the market people scurry off, and they come back and say, There's no, "We can't find a book that's totally upside down." And then Chuck said, "Well, now we must do it." That <laughs> so, does sound like him. Yeah, and so you know. I mean, I think probably I have some of Chuck's viewpoint on... Yeah. There, there's some similar Kindred
0: spirits, maybe. Yeah.
1: And so, you know, I, I told like that's a very anti-marketing approach, right? We don't know what's going to happen, but we got to find out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's sort of beautiful in its way, I think.
0: So one of the things that when, I, when I'm looking at book cover, like I'm even looking at, on bookcoverarchive.com there's like a page for you on there and there's you, you know so it's got i don't know 40 covers or something like that maybe maybe more and you know in some cases they've got a more minimalist approach you know say um and then sometimes they're quite complex um sometimes you've got you know symmetry and sometimes there's asymmetry and you've got complicated complex um typefaces and sometimes they're heletica so do you generally when you're reading a book do you have a sense that that this book that i'm reading needs to have a more minimal, minimalist approach or it needs to have a complex approach and so then you you know kind of immediately you're going to go to one side of those and create all your mock-ups in either a kind of a minimalist approach or a more complex approach and i those technical terms i'm sure for what i'm describing here but um or do you kind of do one of each or or uh, try different some maybe more complex with a lot of different elements and some more minimalist or or so again i guess the question is put simply does do you know pretty quickly whether the book needs that more minimalist approach
1: or not hmm i don't know i don't know i mean i <laughs> guess i try to keep an open mind uh, yeah. yeah as the i start the process of designing i mean you know av- av- after time goes on i guess you get faster and better at being able to do things quickly, or and or determine what a book maybe quote needs. But I, I I'm more sloppy and open minded. I think about expectations about what something's going to be, and a lot of it's just the process of design. You know, I I always feel too design is essentially a process of finding something out, mm. um, and so preconceiving going into it I don't think is ever a good idea even though you know after you've designed hundreds of book covers it's it's human nature to sort of do that but yeah um, and and I think for the better sometimes I mean you know because we have budgets and deadlines and things have to be done yeah yeah. so it's not an open-ended um it's not an open-ended process but um I try to keep an open mind while you were doing that. I, I know that I I knew that I haven't been here in a while. I hate this website. I hate my page on here because there's so many, there's so much stuff in here that it's just a mess. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of stuff in here. I didn't design. Oh, really? Um, I mean, there's a, there's old, there's paperback versions of things that got changed and messed with, or that I didn't even do. There's one there's one in here. It's how you play the game with colored dots on it. I didn't design that. There's, huh. there's probably 25% of these books I didn't design. Interesting. Um, and I would so, say there's another 25% that were mucked with after I designed them internally uh, and a third reprinting of something uh-huh. or a sticker was plopped on it or something. So it's, it's a little infuriating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, the internet's like this. But I, I, um, but that's you know here you 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 talked about asides. uh i'm i'm always really the design credit that is always something that i'm rare i'd rather have my name not on something if i don't have 100% control over it than actually yeah. have my name on there yeah, makes sense one, i'll tell you one quick story so a lot of times i'll go to the strand in new york down in yeah, the basement. it's
0: a great bookstore
1: awesome but down in the basement they have like I don't know what the section is called, but it's just like they have tons of copies of the same books that didn't sell and they're all packed down there. There's a term for it in the in the booksellers. But anyway, um, you know, when it's not a current book, it gets put down there and if there are bunches of copies. So I'll go down there to get extra copies of books that I've designed for samples, whatever, in oh, yeah. my archive. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I was working on this awful book, Called Cadillac Beach. This is one of the books that I'm talking about years earlier that I, that I had to read, which I wish I didn't have to read. <laughs> and um, I'll try to avoid these types of books. But anyway, it was terrible. <laughs> At a certain point, I would just say, I just said, you know what? I, you know, we're, I'm resigning. I'm I'm quitting. You guys go and find another designer. It, this is not this is not working out. So, yeah. uh, or I may have said, just do whatever you want with it. Just don't put my name on it. Anyway. I pull out, I saw the spine said Cadillac beach. I'm like, and it had this teal color that we were working with. So I'm like, Oh God, what did they do with it? I pulled it off. And it was this awful cartoon of a, of a cat, a pink Cadillac with teeth. It was just whatever. And so I'm like, Oh my God, I'm laughing. And I, and I'm like, who put this one to bed? And I opened the back set It says design Paul (laughs) Sayre. And I literally made like an audible, oh! <laughs> <laughs> like four or five people looked over at me. So you know, it's like usually. Can uh,
0: you do anything about that? No. I mean, I guess they've all been printed. What are you going to do? I
1: know you're yeah. going to do thousand copies or I know who cares of copies. anyway,
0: except for me. But yeah, I, no.
1: I, I just, you know, I, so that happens a lot too. Anyway, that's an yeah. aside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay, so you know, I was thinking about how you did that you so you did do the hemingway books right yeah, yeah okay so you had i assume you were commissioned to do the whole series you've got the sun also rises for whom the bell tolls a farewell to arms the old man and the sea and so forth that that might yeah. cover it yes. um so but you've also done books by you know classic books or collections of sto- short stories or you know you did a Nabokov a book or however you pronounce his name and um So and you look so I look at the I look at the Hemingway ones and there is a sort of simplicity you know there's a symmetry to it and it's you have the same sort of um, the same sort of feel and the way the typeface is laid out and everything is the same and all of those I assume they asked you for something consistent across the series is that is that right?
1: Well, that one was and again because obviously it's posthumously and and um, these are really well known books and um, it it was this was more of a like let's Try to figure out some kind of series that updates the experience somehow, mm-hmm. and they hadn't. I, guess, I think you know publishers make most of their money on these types of books, and they just they just languish, you know, in terms of the covers. They don't need to redesign the covers because they're selling and yeah. um, schools are buying them, whatever. Yeah. Um, and but you know, in this case, they really felt like you know we need to update this because the last time someone had designed the series, it was like. 20 or 30 years ago so they look very dated and not dated in a way that relates to hemingway i guess i would say uh, yeah you know yeah. what i mean yeah it like yeah. felt like the early 90s hmm. um so uh in this case we i you know was using contemporary typeface and um you know I- imagery that evoke something you know from did the, they, the book
0: did they ask you for something uh, i don't want to start something as straightforward as this i don't mean that to be a derogatory word
1: (laughs) no no and and these are these are similar to the the what we're talking about with the uh ones Mm -hmm. we're we're thinking of them as a series yeah uh and you know the type is super simple sort of understated Yeah, The classic in its way, you know, and then the imagery um, again, relates to the book. Yeah. um, We did again with this one, we did maybe three or four different ways of approaching a series. And this was the one that was felt the most sort of contemporary and right for the moment. I think we did these. Is it actually your favorite of the the ones you did? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Jason Fulford photographer was the photographer I was working with on these. And he, um, it's a maybe. It's a subtle thing, but you know, for the image for Old Man and Sea, he went out in a boat all day with a couple of old fishermen out hmm. in Montauk to get that image. Yeah, you know, hmm. um, the the image from the the um, he didn't travel for all of these, but um, oh, right, he didn't do The Sun Also Rises because this was a funny one. The creative director John Fulbrook at the time called me and said, Hey, would you like to redesign Ernest Hemingway's books? I'm like, of course. <laughs> and he said, here's the catch though. You, you know, the first one is sun also rises and you have, it has to have a bullfighter on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, it's yeah, funny. That's how, it's funny how like expats, like, you know, the romantic idea of expats, you know, and bullfighting, it seemed like a kind of avant-garde interesting idea. <laughs> now it's <laughs> awful. Um, <laughs> But, um, <laughs> so anyway, we use a stock photo. I'll make them blurry, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. diffuse some of the awfulness involved. Yeah. Um, but the rest of them were were, were Jason, and you know, for uh, to have and have not. You know, he he was threatening to rent a boat and sail to Cuba. And this was, <laughs> this was like ten or fifteen years ago. Yeah. Well, I not love best that plan. Yeah. No, no well, I love I love that about him, and I definitely feel like. You know, the reader isn't going to be conscious about that, but that's in there, you know? If there's that much care and that much effort um, involved in, you know, the the making of a cover, I think that it resonates, you know? Yeah. yeah, In ways that, you know, can't really be articulated and probably wouldn't even be noticed, maybe. But um, it's in there.
0: So, for something as simple as like symmetry, do you? I mean, a lot of your work has you know. Well, I guess you seems like I I guess I don't know which I don't know which covers on this list, for example, that you actually did now. Uh, But there's a lot of asymmetry. um, I'm looking at. Did you do the um, the full blood Arabian? the horses yes
1: yes uh that that was for new directions that's actually a a soft cover poetry edition that they do Um.
0: so you know a book like that where the titles are sideways and i mean do you is that just something where you just kind of play with it and you just you 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 have an image and you're like well so how do i fit this much text on i mean i know there's a long line of text on the second line under the you know where it says who it's translated from so i mean i'm sure you have all these challenges you have to overcome overcome or figure out how to solve whether it's the amount of text on the cover or uh the sort of whatever the, the, the size of the book actually is and so forth so when it comes to asymmetry versus symmetry do you sort of just in, kind of worked instinctively on that or do you use that do you use symmetry versus asymmetry strategically if that if that makes sense i
1: use it strategically i would say most of my work has elements of both Um, and for your listeners um, what you're talking about with asymmetry and symmetry is a basic compositional kind of idea and it's it gets to three elements that are should be in design and that is a sense of balance and that's asymmetry or symmetry a sense of uh, unity that things feel like they belong together because a lot of times we think, forget about a book cover, for instance, someone in this case, me is combining elements that are disparate, that don't belong together. You know, it could be a photograph, typeface, forms, right. That are very different from each other, color, texture. Uh, and then it, uh, it should have a sense of movement to it. So getting back to the idea of balance Symmetrical balance is a very very natural kind of thing. You know, it's like you think of a drop of water going into a puddle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, symmetry is a very natural occurrence. Asymmetrical balance is sort of very unnatural in some ways. Um, but asymmetry is, a, is, is as a way of balancing a composition is much more interesting usually to look at because it's sort of like the analogy of chairs is perfectly balanced, doesn't feel like it's going to fall over, but it, it's not something you want to look at for an extended period of time and contemplate, right?
2: Yeah. Asymmetry
1: yeah. is more like a high wire act. Like something could fall, a person could fall any minute, so you can't take your eyes off of it. That is the non um academic way I would describe that. Um, composition is as complicated as music theory. <laughs> yeah. If you can believe it. Um, of course you don't well, Isn't there a famous
0: things. book design book that actually talks about talks about the um, the elements of design as being like the notes of music? I man, I feel like I just read this. I can't there remember. Probably,
1: there probably is. There's definitely parallels there. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, there's a science to it. Anyway, I I tend to incorporate both quite often in my work. Um, And usually it gets, I think it gets more interesting when you are playing with those two ideas and not quite ever kind of landing in one place or the other. Mm. Now, I say that, again, getting back to that uh, uh, Chuck Klosterman book with the center type, that one's totally symmetrical. But the thing that I would consider sort of asymmetrical in it, even though it's more of an idea than actually forms being moved in different places, is that it's upside down. right it's a twist um so your brain
0: is still kind of responding to it like it as if it were asymmetrical yes
1: yeah Yeah. and so i'm looking i'm looking on this thing it's funny that cover you this is another thing that might be an aside but it's (laughs) definitely something that needs to be said in this case you know this cover the um full-blooded arabian was a cover that i actually didn't design with my own hands um my designer Eric Carter designed hmm. this cover I may have looked at this and four or five other ones and said hey that one's great let's do that one okay. and maybe yeah. shove this over a little bit so you yeah. know
2: yeah.
1: while I I probably more than most designers am hands-on and like it that way um, there have been times over the years where a designer who worked for me did most of the heavy lifting Sure, um, and that's yeah, the case yeah. here. I just wanted to mention that, but you know, that's what makes it, if I was just doing this book cover archive, I probably wouldn't put this cover on there just because mm. I didn't have, but that again, like it was done for the, from the office of Paul Sayre. So
0: it's, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, it's, it's funny because the, the cover next to it here, we're referring to this thing and your, your listeners can't, you can't see it, but um, I did a series of covers for a uh, clip Clarice Lispector, the Brazilian author. Mm-hmm. New Directions has been doing new translate, translations of her for an English-speaking off audience, which is amazing, and it introduced me to her, which I'm very thankful for. But um, in this case, there were four different covers because they had been they been written in the '60s. Whenever they were '50s and '60s, whenever they were written, and it gave us the opportunity, gave me the opportunity to kind of not think of the covers. I didn't need to read these books. Um in fact I didn't read I haven't read two of them. Hmm. Uh because what we did was we used it as a way to put the author front and center with these covers. Hmm. And so the so it's a and and she was just an incredible looking person. Um <laughs> there's no other way to describe it at every point hmm. in her life. Um and so this is a really beautiful photograph of her as a, a, a young author. And so it was, um, it was a way for us to sort of like design four books with the same image. So it's sort of a puzzle. Each book has, has a piece of her face. And then the books can be sort of, you can kind of put them together and it can, completes the portrait. And again, that these covers, I would say, are symmetrical in their way, but also very asymm- asymmetrical because when you put them all together, it's a very symmetrical experience. But each individual mm. cover is very asymmetrical because it's only a part of it. Mm.
0: Um, so, do you, you know, so you, you have instances where you know the text might be symmetrical, but then the image behind it is asymmetrical, or mm-hmm. vice versa? Is that yeah. is that um, do you just is that a way to play with it a little bit, or or Yes,
1: that,
0: absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Just is I mean, would you consider that where a designer is just having fun, or is there a strategic way? Like, you're you're actually trying to do something to. Well, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I don't mean to say that you're being manipulative or something, but you're trying to do something with the imagination or brain of the person who's looking at it. Oh, is yeah. it more? You having fun?
1: No, I, I think it's it's the. It's probably both, frankly, because I <laughs> yeah. I love composition. Yeah, fair fair enough. I love it's moving things coach. around. I, I love moving things around on a page and then see yeah. what happens. It's uh, um why I have no idea. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's why you do the job, uh, right? From yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess you don't question question at a certain point. There was I'm looking at another one here, "The Visible Man" by Chuck Klosterman, and yeah. it's. Um, it takes the idea of this Helvetica and centered thing, but I actually put type on a wall. And the image in itself is very symmetrical. If you look at it, it's the, the, seam, the seam of the room is right in the middle. The type is centered. But then the elements of the room are mixed up and asymmetrical. The windows on the left, the plants sort of on the left a little further over, and this image on the right of a person holding up a piece of paper in front of their face is on, yeah. on the right in the upper portion. And the thing I love about playing with form in this way, in terms of composition is, you know, if you take one of those elements out, the cover sort of doesn't work mm-hmm. compositionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the, these sort of ideas are, like I said, the analogy of the high wire act is a, is perfect. Again, there there are many instances in music where you want, something that you're playing to resolve or to make the listener hang for a minute. And then it resolves, you know, if yeah. you're sort of huh. doing it in, in one flat thing, you know, it's not, a, it's not a linear experience A book cover unless it's moving. Of course, um, hmm. maybe we're heading there. <laughs> we certainly are in the terms of how they're marketing books now. Um, yeah. I don't get a lot of requests to do that, but um you know you you a lot of times you'll see on a website somewhere where the the book cover is animated yeah so it's not time based but it sort of is because you want to engage somebody and you know compositional ideas are meant to you know move the eye around the page um, mm. and um engage you know mm. Mm.
0: i I'm fascinated by that idea that if you take one element off it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work does that is that something that you're kind of constantly after like to to you when you when you get to the point where there's nothing that could be taken off the page that that's sort of where you you've you've met the demands of that cover maybe you've even gotten to where that it's just like that's a perfect cover for at least for yeah. the setting for that perfect for that particular yeah, book
1: yeah sure and but i but now it's sort of automatic just automatic you know where i don't have to actually think about it cuz
0: you have got experience yeah sure yeah
1: um, mm-hmm. again the music thing would be a perfect example if you're learning yeah learning it's very you're concentrating what you're doing but when you're actually playing you don't think about it you just mm. do it. And it's, yeah it's yeah that's right. Yeah. right you're right yeah. um there's a there was a cover i did years ago for uh, rick moody called demonology and that yeah. one
0: it's right is, here yeah
1: it was uh that one was is exactly this the typography is centered the smarties are centered right yeah. So it seems like a totally symmetrical thing, but if it's just symmetry, again, it's like looking at a table. It's a table. It's, yeah. it's not falling over. It's balanced, but it's not interesting. Uh, the same with like a flag. Flags, you want symmetry in a flag, like the Japanese flag. Awesome flag. Yeah. It a flag, very memorable, but you, you don't you don't dwell on it <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. for a second. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what this is doing. But if you look at it. The idea behind it is that the Smarties are levitating, they're sort of doing some creepy subtle thing. It's unnatural. Yeah. They're just ever so slightly tipped, like they're not perfectly straight up or down. Yeah. Yeah. It gives the feeling of, it helps to enforce the feeling, but the fact that they're just, it's just not quite perfect is the thing that activates that cover. A about it. There's a
0: little the little twisty piece on the plastic yeah. wrappers at the top, sort of curved a little bit. Yeah, and the yeah. same
1: same with that. Um, yeah. I do a lot of work for the band. They might be giants. And and um, the first album cover I did for them was for a release called Join Us. And it's got a ridiculous um, monster hearse. It's a, it's a hearse. It's a monster truck. <laughs> it's pink. And it's crushing. We were talking about Helvetic. It's crushing Helvetic. It's, <laughs> it's hiding over it. <laughs> In right? fact, that when I presented the idea to the band, um, John Flansberg was like, "I love it, but we're not a Helvetica band." <laughs> he said, "It's good." But then I said, "No, but it's an anti-modernist statement. It's crushing Helvetica." And then he was like, "Oh, it's great." <laughs> um, but if you look at that album cover and you put your finger, you've put your hand over the truck, you'll notice the type barely is moving. But when the truck is in there, it's just one word that's at an angle. The rest of it's very structured, mm-hmm. um, but it's the, it's sort of an optical illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just in concert, it totally works, and it feels like the Helvetica is being um, starting to be crunched like a car, you know, would be underneath the wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, these are all. I love that we're able to to sort of geek out to this level because I, I you know I, I think it's like these are the things that make you want to get up in the morning and yeah what you do you know yeah.
0: so do you so when you're doing these covers do you have to work in concert with the uh, layout people you know people who are laying out the text um, I mean are you are you saying are you asking them you know what 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 typeface are you using for the title page for headers for oh the interiors
1: yeah. weirdly enough no. Most of the time not um, there are some publishers who coordinate that, and most of the time as you'll probably notice they don't yeah um, I mean that, that is there there's a there are a number of different reasons for that each publisher typically has a a, a department that where the designers are just doing interiors yeah uh, and then their cover department is a different is, is maybe on a different floor and and or being outsourced. Or being outsourced, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for whatever reason. Um, so, no, typically, which seems weird on the face of it. But I would also say that, you know, they also do a lot of things in publishing where, you know, you, they'll do a hardcover edition of something and then it's a dust jacket. And then
0: oh, you yeah. decide, yeah,
1: yeah. oh, we got to do a paperback and now the cover is going to be totally different because it didn't sell for whatever reason. So they're, yes. they're shifting it, thinking that oh, you know, a different cover will make it sell. I mean, the fact that it's less expensive and it's a paperback is the reason it sells better than the hardcover in that situation. Not because <laughs> the cover. With, uh, again, I can't. I yeah. don't have empirical proof. <laughs> that's my feeling about it. Um, so we might as well just do a beautiful, lasting book cover, right? Uh, but anyway, that's one of the reasons why. Uh, that that i think that is the case
0: is it um common for i mean how often would you say your name gets the cover design gets put on it's pretty often right
1: yes you know it's funny they it you know i'm sure there were designers who are who fought very hard for that uh for, for that to even happen um, but it, it's weird because, for, from my perspective, it, it becomes a sort of strange political football. It, mm. if, if, and it happens, uh, you know, again, we're talking about clients and deadlines, and I have relationships with different people. And because of the process, many people are involved in deciding what a cover is going to be. Something goes south, and I don't want my name on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I say to a creative director that I don't know well, I can certainly do it with a correct creative director I know well. Let's just get it done and do what you need to do with this thing. Just Don't put my name on it. Fine, whatever. So it's some version of what I did, but it's not something that I would have wanted associated, to, to be associated with. That happens. Um, but if I do that with a creative director I worked, don't work with a lot, it's, they take offense. What, you don't like it. Well, no, I just don't have control over it. I don't feel comfortable. I think a lot of times designers just put their name on it and don't don't have the same threshold I do. But I know I haven't got I haven't worked with certain people again because I did that. Hmm. Even if you do it in the nicest, most professional way, <laughs> um, so it's weird. Sometimes I feel like you know. Well, I, not, not sometimes. It's my name. I decide whether it's on there or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and I'd rather not have it on there in this particular case. You know.
0: Yeah. So okay, I'll let you go. And we've—I've used enough of your time, but I got a couple more questions. You got—you got time for a few more? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I guess these are kind of rapid-fire type questions, I suppose. But is there a book cover out there that you wish you would designed, or just a book cover that you just you look you really love? It's Kind of an inspirational something that, that you.
1: Sure. I, I don't think there's anything. Uh, there are book covers I think are great, but I don't know if I think about it like I wish I designed that. I, yeah, I would have yeah. said that. If you asked me that question 20 years ago, I probably would have been able to answer it absolutely and should give you examples, but not now. Uh, yeah. I don't know exactly why that is. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give you a, there are a lot of covers I love. This is probably my favorite book cover ever. It's by Ray Johnson. It's uh, In the American Grain. Is that, that the William Carlos out. Williams one? Yes. Um New Directions. I'm maybe 50s, 60s, this was published. And I don't know what it is about this cover, but I just love this cover. It's so nothing, but it's, it's got a hand on it. Yeah, yeah, I see it, yeah. And the type is just sort of seemingly unconsidered, but it's just, I think it's beautiful.
0: The black and white—it's kind of a yeah. black and white photo. Yeah, but I, I remember. Huh. I
1: remember where I saw this cover. I was in the—I uh, was visiting Yale, the design uh, grad school at Yale, to do a lecture or something up there, and I was in the bookstore that was near campus, and I pulled this off. I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. but he's not a graphic designer; he's an artist, you know, mm-hmm. outsider artist." So, so uh, I will definitely say this. You know, it's like. Artists who do design work oftentimes, especially posters, it's usually the worst poster ever. Like Picasso poster design. Don't, no, <laughs> Stop. don't do it. Don't do it. Um, that's always the thing with like, you know, the museums. It's like, here are some posters and they're by Picasso or whoever. And it's like, they're the worst per- posters ever. Um, as much
0: as it's it's only good as a curiosity
1: yeah i don't know you know they think because it's picasso um so so you said it's kind of nothing but what is it about it that
0: is inspiring to you or
1: i think you're probably if you look at this thing there's it probably looks like something i might even designed (laughs) uh because it does a lot of things we were just talking about there's just something off about it that's right yeah and that activates it. It's almost nothing, but it it, it that aspect is unreck the, the there's something not reconcilable about the elements and how they were combined. And but it works. Mm. Um so
0: well it's got that like subtle asymmetry. I mean, obviously the in the American grain is pretty tilted, but even the way the fingers are kind of sp- the, the middle finger and the ring finger are kind of split just slightly
1: yeah yeah there's just something compelling the shadows people, but very compelling about it mm. um i'll just leave it at that but mm. yeah, i love that cover is,
0: is there some kind is there a classic book maybe a classic work of literature that if you ever got the chance to to redesign the cover for you'd be really excited
1: these should not be hard questions <laughs> this should be pretty easy People always are. Often people are asking me, uh, "What would be your dream project?" Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have any. I. Well, how about this? I one of my favorite books is uh, called The Selfish Gene. Uh, Richard Dawkins. I'd love to redesign this cover. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing book. Mm. Um,
0: oh, the one on from the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Wow, the seventies cover. That's yeah. that's a those 70s covers are it's like those old the, the one with the uh,
1: illustration yeah the yeah, illustration crazy that one's yeah. pretty hard to beat that's the one i have but <laughs> yeah. these covers are terrible yeah um, it's such an interesting important book in my
0: opinion but is there an era of um, of book design that you that you are most inspired by or that you know if you had posters in your office or something or in your studio that maybe most of them are from a particular era Maybe decade. I don't know how you define your yeah, book
1: design. I, I would probably say not, not something I'm aware of consciously, but certainly the 50s was, was sort of in some ways. And, and, and that might just be a perception of a couple of designers, Paul Rand and uh, Alvin Lustig, uh, their cover work. Probably because they're so singular. And talk about uncompromising and putting the, the book first. You know, certainly, Lustig's covers are uh, have a have a consistency that I really respond to. Hmm. Um, that certainly is not my approach. But I would also say there's, you know, there are great. Uh, John Gall's a great book cover designer. Now is a great yeah, yeah. time for book cover design, um, even more so than maybe even five or ten years ago, because of uh what's going on with uh, all the digital stuff i think there's much more care given to covers now than there ever has been chip kid um chip oh god i used to in college he was just starting he, he's a few years older than me but i would definitely say his work just blew my mind when i saw it um hmm. and he's still doing great work now um peter mendelson great designer great designer do you,
0: is the uh, you mentioned Paul Rand? Is that the IBM guy?
1: Yeah, he designed the IBM logo. Okay, he did a lot of really big identities, Westinghouse, but he did a lot of book design, uh, book cover design, book design, mm. and yeah, it, yeah, he's probably the most famous, well-known graphic designer. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well. I kept you long enough. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. this was fun. I, I you mentioned we you were glad we got to nerd out, but that's that's you know that's one of the reasons I was hoping to talk to you is because I love just asking questions about some of these things. So I could probably have spent you know an hour just taking three of your covers and asking you questions about what choi- what your choices <laughs> were there. So I appreciate that you' but I'm sure you don't, you don't want to uh, keep you know thinking about them too much, but I appreciate <laughs> some time to to go over a few of them with me.
1: I had, I had a good time. I did
0: as well, David. Thank you. Well, thanks to Mr. Paul Sayre for joining me here on Libromania. Mania. To learn more about Mr. Sayre, you can head over to paulsayer.com. It's S-A-H-R-E, so Sayer.com. You can also check out his book, Two Dimensional Man, at amazon.com or wherever you buy books. As always, thanks to you for listening. If you like this podcast, please remember, subscribe, rate, review. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed this podcast. Tell your friends to subscribe. Help us spread the word. I would greatly appreciate that. Don't forget about all the other great content here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. We've got Close Reads where we're discussing novels. Currently, we're going through Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen with special guest Karen Swallow-Prior. We've got The Daily Poem where we're bringing you a poem each weekday morning. We've got The Play's a Thing, which is all Shakespeare, all the time. For all of us here at the Close Reads Podcast Network, I'm David Kern. Thank you so much for listening and happy reading. Talk to you next week on Libromania.